Welcome back to the Brunch Boys podcast. Today we've got a super special guest, Lauren, podcast extraordinaire. How are you going, mate? <laughs> yeah, look, I've been better. <laughs> so, Lozzie's actually, well, you tell me, where are you right now? I am in room 1103 of the Westin if you want to send me any care packages. <laughs> well, this is your last day of quarantine, so it might be there for the next person that pops in. Oh, uh, yeah. Nearly two weeks done at the West Inn. Tell you what, lovely hotel. Oh, beautiful don't hotel. Ever wanna, don't ever want to be back here. <laughs> <laughs> so Lauren has just come back from the UK. Well, 13 days ago, she's come back from the UK. She got one more day left in isolation before she gets to come home and surprise the fam, which is going to be pretty fucking special. Oh, it's going to be so special. It's just going to be literally the best thing ever. So your family, your family actually don't know where you are right now. No, they have, they have no idea. Two of my sisters know. They live in Melbourne. They've been helping me keep up the facade uh, from afar. But none of my, none of my family in Perth, including like aunts, uncles cousins know that I'm here. Far out. So what's your story? Why, why were you in the UK? Oh, who are you to me? <laughs> Let's get real deep. Real deep. So we met at uni and I don't think we met until final year, did we? Oh, I feel I, like I, I do not know how we met. I feel like, I, you, know what, you know what it was? So like I was mates with Kieran. Loose term there. Kieran, just like me, is, um, had a... <laughs> propensity for failing university subjects um <laughs> so we'd been delayed a couple years in our yeah, graduation you were those yeah so. those annoying ones and i think he knew you and we were we were doing our um i actually i actually do remember this now we were doing our intensive teaching unit at the start of our final year no 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 no, no no and you were sitting in front of me and kieran and you had the tennis up on your laptop and i i can't remember kieran introducing me to you then so we sat behind you to watch the tennis like every lecture <laughs> well, we always sort of half knew each other like oh i mean ot is a small world isn't it yeah kieran and i were loose friends the only reason why we, we were friends was because we both Doggies. went to the bulldogs <laughs> yeah and so you were always that giggling girl next to him and everyone just assumed you two were in a relationship gross Imagine. which is so far from the truth <laughs> <laughs> i'd be like marrying my brother <laughs> which you don't have a brother so. Yeah, well. <laughs> so we met at uni we became really close really quickly yeah it's not in a loving way just more of a footy footy band that's it insult each other way i owe my life to you <laughs> you got me tickets to the grand final in 2016 i did i did get you tickets aka best day of my life <laughs> and then you buddy finally graduated after what seven years oh six and a half thank you Oh, God, we always <laughs> no, five and a half. Fucking bullshit. When did I start? So basically, six years. No, I 2011. I started in 2012. Started uni yeah. in 2012 and I finished in 2017. 2018. Well, I finished my last prac in 2017 and started working as an OT in, 20, in 2017. When did you walk across that stage with that, that certificate? But, I'd, but, I'd, been, but I'd been working as an OT for three months when I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> So you were, yeah, you worked for a bit and then you bloody pissed off to the UK. Classic Australian dream. Oh, mate, the locum lifestyle. What brought that along? Um, I think it's something I'd always wanted to do. I'd always wanted to live in another country. 
and like I'm not one of those big career driven type people I basically oh, absolutely not it took you six years to finish uni no so. no I, you know I'm all about having a bit of fun and I don't take things as seriously as I probably should which is why it took which is why you're to finish uni and why you're stuck in quarantine right and now. why I'm stuck in quarantine you that I have to pay for seriously <laughs> Uh, and basically I've always loved traveling and what better way to travel than to live at the the gateway to Europe they call themselves over in old London town and you know such a laugh never worked in a hospital before came in as a senior OT (laughs) got made a band seven within six weeks which is a joke like (laughs) what's what's uh what's the band system the banding system like a new grad is a band five and they're expected to be a band five for about two years then you get a band six and you're probably again a band six for the next two to five years of your career and then sevens like management where you're not expected to have a clinical caseload per se like you still see patients but you're mostly mostly managerial so i did that in about six weeks um as a casual as a casual so Literally, there was a bit of time there where I went on, I worked for two weeks, went on holiday for two weeks, worked for a week, went back on holiday for another week and was just kind of fucking around. <laughs> and that's it. You just, you just take the piss. Just take, yeah, there, you just you? absolutely take the piss. I was worried because I'd never worked in a hospital before. <laughs> But as it turns out, it's really easy. So <laughs> I was going to say that goes to show how easy it is to work in a hospital. The work ethic of London's quite an interesting one. Like you think everyone works really hard, but I just think I just think Australia sets a different standard. In what way? I remember being a student at Charlie Gardner's, and as a student in my last placement, I was expected to see six, seven, eight patients a day. Right? Mm. That's just the standard. Yeah. Oh, busy day in the NHS. Whew, four patients. Look out. Get staff. Mate, I work in community disability. I think, I think I this is why. more than four patients a day. <laughs> That's a joke. It's so, like, to be fair, like, the NHS has a lot more paperwork. You spend a lot of time, like, doing really unnecessary things. Oh, it sounds, um, sounds like, like the NDIS. Yeah, it's just a waste of time. But uh, in the same token, they just froth Australians because we'll come in and see a ward load of patients. So there was bits of time where I was covering three yeah. wards because yeah. I could. <laughs> so when, when did you go to the UK? That was... May 2019. Yeah. I uh, didn't start working till June because I couldn't be fucked. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, like, I moved there with um, my good friend Me- Megan and, you know, she started working after about two weeks. And then she was like, when are you going to get a job? And I said, ah, look, <laughs> at some point. And then my sister came, came traveling through Europe. So we went to Spain for a week. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll start working now. <laughs> Gee, so how, how many months were you there before you picked up a job? I was there for six weeks before I bothered. Yeah. Wow. And then once you started trying, you got it. Oh, I, like, so basically you sign up with like a recruitment agency and you just tell, yeah. you just tell them, you give them your CV and you tell them, what kind of area you want to work in like hospital community and then you can be quite specific like you can be like oh, i want to work at a rehab hospital i want to work in medicine i want to work on like in a and e you can be quite specific yeah um i just told the guy get me a job in hospitals and he's basically just sent my cv and i had a job within like two or three hours like oh, two or three hours yeah and then like i thought i had to do an interview he was like the manager is going to call you um and i was like yeah cool they didn't really give a time frame, just gave a day. So she actually called and I was about three pints deep at the pub. 
<laughs> so my first job interviews was in a wet was in a weather Camden. <laughs> and how long did that bad boy go for? Um, literally, it was like, uh, do you have any experience working with amputees? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, okay, cool. You start on Monday. <laughs> that was literally it. What a and joke, honestly. Yeah, for all, I ended up working in four different hospitals in my time, and that was the only interview I did. So. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to actually getting interviewed <laughs> to get a job oh here. God. Have you got a job lined up here? Or? Nah, I'm on Centrelink, mate. <laughs> I've already, <laughs> already, I've already organised my Centrelink, so I've got to be a God. dull bludger. We'll get get onto that in a bit. So coronavirus, the whole situation. Debacle, absolute debacle. Yeah. Well, it was, it was quite funny because when things started getting serious across Europe, I was actually in Egypt. That would have been what? February, March? Early March. Yeah. So I was in Egypt for two weeks and I decided to be stingy and not cop a SIM card. So I actually, and Wi-Fi in the hotels was shocking. Yeah. I basically was just detached from the outside world. You're kidding. For the first two weeks of March. And then we, you know, other people on the bus like, oh, it's starting to get a bit serious. And quite a few of them were going on to Jordan and Jordan closed its borders. And they're like, oh, shit. So they had to cancel like the other half of their trip. Yeah. And they were like, oh, this is getting a bit serious. And then the tour guide was like, okay, so Egypt's closing its borders on the Thursday. So if anyone hasn't got their flight booked, like you need to sort it out. Luckily, our flight was booked for the Tuesday. So we got out two days before coronavirus shut the borders of Egypt. You're kidding. I can't imagine being stuck in Cairo. My God. Oh, God. What a shithole. Literally. And so when we got to London, you know, we were expecting a shit show. No, business as usual, good old UK. Yeah, because they, <laughs> they were so slow on the uptake. Oh, they never, clo- they never closed their borders, ever, the whole time. No, they, they went for like herd immunity mm-hmm. and people were dropping like yeah, flies. Yeah, so went back to work. Then within maybe less than a week, I started getting sick. Oh, I remember this. Because this is the same time I went yeah, to isolation. Yeah, yeah. So I started, and you were taking the piss out of me, I was, and then you started getting sick. And then I started, I started getting sick. So I started getting sick on the Saturday. I had started having like a headache. My stomach was a bit in bit, and I just thought I was hungover. Classic. Classic. Same thing on Sunday, but I went and had, even though I felt sick, I went and had drinks at the pub on the Saturday. <laughs> so on Sunday, I just thought I was, you know, extending the hangover. I went for a run, try and run it off. And then I started coughing and just didn't stop coughing for like four weeks. Four weeks? <laughs> yeah. But the funny thing was the NHS slash the UK government weren't testing NHS staff for coronavirus. So when I called in sick on Monday, because I was like properly unwell by Monday, I was like not good at all. Yeah. I called triple one, which was like the coronavirus hotline. And <laughs> they're like, oh, maybe you might have it. Because <laughs> like... I had, I had the cough and the headache, but I didn't have a fever. And, you know, I was, my cough was a bit productive as well. Yeah. So, I was, so they were like, oh, you know, maybe. Because it's, it's meant to be a dry cough, yeah? Yeah. They said, maybe go off your GP's advice. And I was like, okay. So called my GP. I reckon I had maybe a three-minute phone conversation, not even. And he goes, yeah, it's probably just the flu. Just go back to work when you feel all right. You're kidding me. So I went back to work on Wednesday. <laughs> On the Wednesday. Yeah. After and, feeling like ass on the Monday. Yeah. And I worked at one of the, well, I worked in, at the time, I was working for the biggest NHS trust in England, which has five major hospitals, but I was working 
quite far east. So I was technically out of London and it was one of their poorer hospitals. Mm. So we weren't really being given PPE and therapists weren't considered essential, you know, like in the hierarchy of who got yeah. to get a surgical yeah. mask. So, you know, so there's that. What, did you <laughs> end up getting corona at all during your time over there? Well, that that was coronavirus, as as I found out oh, many so you, months what, later. You got confirmed. I basically went on to work the next twelve. You're the fucking days. super spreader in the UK. I went on to work the next twelve days in a row, including four ten-hour shifts. I was exhausted. <laughs> um, and I ended up I ended up leaving that trust and working around a bit. And it wasn't until I got a job at um, University College Hospital at the start of July where they let me get an antibody test. Yeah. And I, I got that test and I had I was positive for the antibodies. Yes. So, oh. yeah. So that flu turned out to be coronavirus. And God <laughs> knows how many people I infected. Oh, mate. I'm not even going to think about that. What, man, when I was sick, my commute to work was an hour and a half long and I was spending an hour and 15 of that on the tube. What a so, shit show. And of course, masks weren't compulsory until June in the UK. So. <laughs> wow. I did not know this. <laughs> so you fully got ronaed and worked 10 days straight. I got ronaed, yeah, 12. 12 days straight. 12 days straight. In a hospital. Straight including four 10-hour shifts and weekends. Love it for me. In A&E as well. <laughs> I was working in A&E. <laughs> oh, my God. That is a mess. I was in A&E and the care of the elderly wards. So, so can you, can million-dollar question, can you get corona twice? Well, they reckon someone's tested positive. I saw this just before I went into quarantine. A man in Hong Kong who was unwell with it and hospitalised back in April has retested positive but was asymptomatic. So I actually think... I think no still because I know for example because I was getting ended up getting swabbed weekly at work at my last job so I have seven negative coronavirus tests in the last seven weeks plus the two that you would have yeah. had to do just now it's like why are they even putting you in quarantine one of, yeah one of the doctors um tested positive and had to take a week off work but he knows he was sick with her earlier on and they actually think that because the test just picks up cells in the back of your throat and obviously up the yeah. nose. It doesn't tell whether they're active, infectious or dead cells. Yeah. So it could just be remnants from when he was sick. So I think that's probably more likely. Far out. So that was what, March when you got ronaed? Yeah. And basically the UK has been in the pits for the last few months. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything basically reopened in July, regardless of how many people are still dying. That's crazy. We called it Super Saturday because all the pubs reopened on Saturday the 4th. <laughs> yes, I saw that actually. So what took you so long to make the decision to come home? Um, part of it was like, obviously like me and Megan had big discussions about, oh my God, do we need to book a flight? Do mm. we need to book a flight? Like, Megzi she, left, she left in July. What, two months earlier? Yeah. But she had that flight booked back in January, like before coronavirus. But yeah, we kind of, you know, do we need to get home now? Are we not going to be able to get home? But I just wasn't ready to leave London yet. Yeah. Like, there's still so much I wanted to do. And then I also had that kind of feeling, well, you know, we're looking like we're going to be the epicentre of it. <laughs> like, I, you know, should do my bit to help, you know. Oh, that's 
doesn't sound like you. Yeah. That's very noble. I know. Very caring, isn't it? The whole UK experience really has changed you. I know. Everyone was very stressed at work and 100%. everywhere everywhere you go is so understaffed. Like, I felt like I wanted to stay in London and see it out. Yeah. And partly that, that was selfish because I was hoping, holding out hopes that I'd be able to go back traveling again mm. eventually. And the other half of that was like, well, I want to stay and help my mates, you know. Of course through this kind of time but then I guess what it just got to a point where we were a bit of a safe haven here in Perth yeah well, it's not it's not even that like I just started getting really homesick and I think when we were in like the midst of full sh- lockdown like I just got really homesick and then even as things started opening up again obviously you know we started having fun and I started um I started I traveled a fair bit of England in the end and, you know I was having a good time but that, that kind of homesickness never really went away mm. and then I was just working so much. This is going to sound really ridiculous, but it was the longest stint of work I'd done in a very, very long time without a holiday. I think I did 15, I think I did 15 weeks in a row of like peak coronavirus with no holiday. (laughs) I was, I'm just tired. I was tired. I was burnt out. I missed my family. And um, the second peak that they keep talking about, all of a sudden Spain started getting cases again, had to re-lock down. Mm. I was like, you know what? I don't want to do that again. Yeah, and you would have seen some absolute shit in the hospitals too. Oh, mate, I could not tell you how many people I watched die. It was it was a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's like a lot of emotional burnout there. And then it was just, I was like, you know what, I'll see out the summer and I'll come home. Because mm. so you yeah, booked a flight, what, a couple of months ago? I booked it in June. I looked at flights in July to try and get home for my dad's 60th, but they were just so expensive. So I booked for the end of August, a lot more affordable. And I also, I did see that Queensland made their quarantine where you had to pay for it. Mm-hmm. But if people had their flights booked and they didn't have to, and I was like, oh, great. Well, if I book now in June for August, I won't have to pay for my quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark McGowan. <laughs> I love that. So how much, how much did it cost? Flights and quarantine. Let's go flights first. Uh, so my flight was six hundred and eighty-one pound one way. Yeah. So, so I one suppose that's one five. Let's call it thirteen hundred. Yeah. Thirteen hundred Australian. Obviously, I had a lot of shit, so I had to ship some stuff back. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I had like really lovely Christmas present. I got two salty wings photos that I got framed um, turns out really inconvenient to have to get home with so I, I shipped them and like my ski jackets and all my big so coats I shipped I shipped back shipped it to where because you're planning to surprise your parents tomorrow so yeah well the ship time is eight to twelve weeks oh, so perfect. that was fine <laughs> <laughs> um, so I shipped them home and that cost me 150 pounds so that's three hundred dollars yep. so we're at sixteen hundred and then quarantine costs two thousand five hundred and twenty dollars. Australian. Australian. Two thousand five hundred dollars for fourteen days there. Yeah, it works out to one hundred and eighty dollars a day. Oh, you must be getting quite nice food then. <laughs> <laughs> it is so hit and miss. <laughs> like, you know, last night I had a really nice curry. One time I had salmon, and that Ooh. was delicious actually every time they've brought out a fish meal it's been delicious yeah. except for the lunchtime they gave me a fucking tuna sandwich i nearly threw up <laughs> so do you get any choice in what you can order or no 
it's like a it's like a surprise they knock on my door and then i open my door and there's a, a parcel of food at the at the doorstep no human in sight i've i've only seen two people in 14 days and both times it was the nurses and full ppe taking my coronavirus yeah, swab. no way yeah but yeah so it's what, like a what surprise you, surprise every time my meal comes what if you feel peckish throughout the day like other serving sizes at least big i've been rationing my food gosh <laughs> So at breakfast and lunch, I take one or two things out and put them on the side so I can have an afternoon snack. <laughs> oh, God. But you, what, the first few days you wouldn't have learned to do that? No, I learned very quickly, Josh. Day one, because so breakfast is at eight. Yeah. So super reasonable. Lunch is at 12. Fine. Dinner's at six. Six hours without food and like nothing to do. So all you're thinking about is how hungry you are. Oh. So day one, I was like, well, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> day two, I started squirreling. Rationing out your own food. <laughs> Bloody hell. That's so sad. Oh. Megzy dropped me off a, a care package on Sunday. So I've had yeah. some snacks now. I saw so you, you know, got a bottle of wine as well. Yeah, my sister sent me that. So they actually banned alcohol because I was going to buy a bottle of gin at duty free. Being like, they banned alcohol. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I will, I will buy a bottle of gin duty free. You know. Yeah. Laughing. Uh, no, no, you can't bring duty free in. They confiscate it and give it back to you at the end of your fourteen days. That is ridiculous. So you can only, you can what? only have alcohol if you buy it directly from the hotel bar, and a bottle of Asahi costs eight. Or nine dollars, and I was like, "Well, fuck off!" Like, actually, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> For a shit beer, yeah. Yeah, and just like a bottle. And who has just one beer? All of a sudden, I've spent fucking forty dollars to have four bottles of beer. Like, that's oh, outrageous. That is ridiculous. They banned, honestly. So yeah, my lovely sister in Melbourne bought me a bottle of red from the hotel bar and got it stacked up to my room. It? Oh, fuck that's no! That's really cute. But it was a bottle of pitchfork, so you know. Well, it wasn't the best, but better than nothing. Oh, but you probably... guzzled it down in one night, didn't you? I did. <laughs> See, but I was staying up to watch the cricket. It was a long, Honestly, it was a long what, evening. These 14 days have probably been the longest in your life that you've gone without a drink. Oh, tell you what, I needed that detox. <laughs> the, the last... So, in the UK, UK government's wisdom, they're really worried about their economy. So, for the entirety of August, if you went anywhere to eat on a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday, your food was 50% off. Get stuffed. So I have not gone a day without a pint or four for about three weeks before I went into quarantine. Mate, that is a lie. <laughs> I was on a proper bender. <laughs> so what do you do throughout the day there then? Well, I kind of, I thought I was going to give myself a routine <laughs> and I didn't. Um, basically I'd try and stay in bed until breakfast Yeah. and like, I'm a pretty early riser. Like I normally wake up like in London, I'd get up and start my day at about five 30 in the morning. Yeah. So that's been, that's been a hard adjustment. Uh, but I try and stay in bed and then I have brekkie so that gets me to eight 30. <laughs> and then for the first week I had a lot of life admin yeah. to do. Moving countries is actually a massive inconvenience as it turns out. Um, <laughs> Just things like I've been locked out of my Westpac account for about a year. So I had to, to get back into Westpac. Oh, God. Um, restart my health insurance, start applying for jobs. And um, I applied for Centrelink. Big win there. Yeah. Thank what you. did you get from them? 
JobKeeper, please and thank you. I get my first payment oh, wait, tomorrow. Wait, hold up. JobKeeper? JobSeeker? Seeker. Oh, JobSeeker. Okay. How much is that? Yeah. Um, I think the pa- first payment is like $1,400. So that's a win. Basically pays for your, half your quarantine. Well, Josh, the other thing I applied for was a hotel quarantine fee waiver. And I got approved. So I only have to pay half of my hotel quarantine. Which JobSeeker has just paid for. Thank you, government. Oh, what's, what's all this whinging for then? That's Basically it. The got government, a free hotel stay for two yeah, weeks. The government have unwittingly paid for my hotel quarantine anyway. So, <laughs> Wait, how'd you qualify for that? What do you mean? <laughs> like, well, I, I didn't know they had exemptions. So you've got to be unemployed. Tick. Be able to demonstrate that you have financial hardship. Do you? Uh, well, to an extent. I don't have very much money in my Australian account. I have maybe... Fifteen hundred dollars in there, yeah, because I spent it all traveling last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I did tell them about my English bank account, and I told them how much was on my card, and I sent them a screenshot of it. I didn't tell them that I'd screwed away five thousand pounds in another account. You're kidding me. So. So you're you basically look like you're in financial hardship. Yeah. To be fair, I'm not going to touch, and I'm like to transfer money from a UK account to an Oz account, like you end up paying much money in fees yeah and transactions and stuff so i actually don't plan on bringing that money into australia so <laughs> i basically told them i was like yeah i've got i've got money in the uk if i transferred it across i could pay for your quarantine but i don't want to far out so you're basically starting from ground zero yeah i'm broke oh uh, well <laughs> drinks on me then <laughs> it's fine i've got centrelink <laughs> so can you um Say if you were absolutely desperate for food, could you like Uber Eats? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did Uber Eats on the first day, not going to lie to you. I drove past on, the, on my bus from the airport to the hotel. I drove past Red Rooster and I said, yes, that's what I'm getting. <laughs> Why? Is there no Red Rooster in the UK? No, no Reddies. No. It's just an Australian thing. Got, got myself a ripper roll Ooh, and a large you can't, you can't knock the bogan Ooh. out the girl, hey? Oh. I tell you what, the UK don't know how to do hot chips, mate. Yeah, how much did that set you back? Oh, like fucking nearly thirty dollars. Jeez, what? What? Just a Corona? It was like or? I think it was like twenty-seven dollars. Oh, I don't know. Like it was like a five-dollar delivery fee. Food's expensive. Oh, but I that paid, is very expensive. But I paid on my UK card, so actually only fifteen pounds came out. So it was fine. <laughs> it's all about the number, hey. Mm-hmm. So what else did you do throughout the day? Do you exercise? Because you you quite a high energy. Person. Yeah, so the day before I flew out of London, I ran a half marathon because I knew I wasn't going to be able to run again for a while. Yeah. Half marathon? Yeah, I went for it, ended up doing 21.3 kilometers. <sighs> yeah, so my knees were quite sore. So I <laughs> um, haven't done any high impact exercise, but um, I've been doing yoga every day. Yeah. And my best friend, Rachel, she actually works right next to the West End. So she brought me a care package on like day two or three, which had like resistance bands and stuff really? in it. So I've done a lot of like, yeah, I've done a lot of um, resistance bands. So how does this whole care package thing work? Like, can anyone put Basically, yeah. Yeah, well, other than alcohol, they'll take the alcohol out yeah. and drugs and cigarettes. So other than that, anything can go. <laughs> anything, they can, and they just put it in a bag with your room number on it and they leave it at the door. Nice. Yeah. That's not too bad then. Yeah, it's been all right. I had my book. So, you know, life admin, I do about an hour of exercise a day and then Festival of Footy has saved my oh, life. Oh, honestly. I've had days where the other day I watched the netball, then I watched two games of footy 
Then I watched a footy show and then I watched the cricket until midnight. <laughs> Honestly, what is like... your life? <laughs> Wait, so what about your room? So 14 days, you must have stuck yeah. out that room. Like your clothes, towel, what, what's the go I'm not going to lie to you, Josh. I've been in my pyjamas every single day other than when I exercise. <laughs> uh, do they wash your clothes or what's the suit? No. Um, there's a laundry service. Yeah, but you have to pay for it. You have to pay for it, and yeah, it's fuck. like it's like an outside company. So I was literally like, oh, like I've got enough clothes, obviously, because I've just moved my life across. Got enough undies and everything, but I was like, oh, maybe I'll send some stuff for the wash. Looked at the laundry list prices. It was five dollars per pair of underwear. Five dollars in underwear. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, get fucked. <laughs> Basically, so I've got a big bag of laundry to do when I get home. What about what about the towels? Because obviously you can't keep reusing towels. So they gave me three towels to start with, mm-hmm. and on day six or seven, they gave me a new set of towels and like bed sheets and pillowcases and stuff, which I obviously had to change myself. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> For $180 a day, this place sounds like a dumb. Well, like, no one's allowed in the room. Yeah, obviously. So, like, what, what, can they, what can they do? Basically, airplane food, and it's just left at your door. There's no cleaning other than I got, you know, fresh sheets and stuff. Yeah. And if I run, if I run out of any amenities like toilet paper, I just call and they bring me some more and like tea and coffee. And so I've got tea and coffee okay. that they provide. I'm at a kettle. So it's not quite a concentration camp, but it's almost. No, look, but prison would be easier because they're allowed outside for That's an hour. That's true. I mean, and they've got people to, and they've got other people to talk to. And soap to drop in <laughs> the uh, showers. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. So one more day. So your plan is to surprise the folks tomorrow. How's that working out? Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So, I mean, it depends what time I get out, really. If I get out at 5.30 in the afternoon, my sister's probably going to be at work. So Megzi's picking me up from the hotel and I'll get her to drop me off. Well, we'll go into Lourdes and surprise Amy at work and then I'll drive straight home. I haven't decided yet whether I let myself in with the spare key or if I, like, ring the doorbell. But I feel like either way, like, my dog's going to start barking. (laughs) And like the spare key is like in a key safe. So you've got to like fiddle with numbers and stuff. So it might just be easy to ring the doorbell. Yeah. And so that's why it's like a bit awkward timing, isn't it? Yeah, like, which is like peak time. I think I'll get out at like 5.30 in the afternoon. So I'll get home at like 6, 6.30. So it's just, mm. and it's just like, it's not worth hiding for another day. Prize them at family dinner or anything, you know, like it's just, I just want to be home. Do you chat to them on the phone often? Yeah, I do. But I call, like, when I was living in London, I'd call them fortnightly. So I called them the day before I flew. I told them I took the day off work because I'd been on a bender and I needed a day off. <laughs> That's so believable too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then I called mum once, but just, because normally I do a FaceTime, but I called mum once, just like audio call because I needed help because I've been locked out of my Westpac account. <laughs> and then I just said, oh, I guess I'll just call you in two weeks then. <laughs> Oh, that makes it easy. She's like, oh, thanks. And I said, oh, well, it's your birthday next Friday. So I'll call you on your birthday. But I obviously get out tomorrow. And you you would have had to call her during like a specific time. Otherwise, you couldn't call her during a busy time. Yeah. And like, I have to be really, I have to be really careful. So I can't go on Messenger before 12 because like when it hits 12, it's like 5 a.m. in the UK. So that's the time I'm normally awake. But even with like dark mode on, sometimes it still shows when you're active on Messenger. So like I can't go on Messenger in case mum realises that I'm 
online at a weird time in the morning. Um, I can't open Snapchat. I can't respond to any messages until after after lunchtime to not give it away. Other things I've done, like I post photos on my story on Instagram of like different spots in London, including um, one time I woke up at 1am to watch the cricket and 1am is like six or something um, in the evening. So I posted like a little sunset kick in London. (laughs) It's so good, but it's so like... (laughs) It's so funny. And I've had like my location services turned off on like absolutely everything because my mum... As you know, Josh is a bit of a fucking psycho. Um, Shall I tell the Christmas Day story? Please do. So Christmas Day, me and my housemates did a pub crawl. I could do a lot of drinking. Um, We did a pub crawl through the city centre and we were around St. Paul's. And obviously St. Paul's Cathedral, we're like, oh, we'll be be good Christians and we'll we'll go inside and have a look. (laughs) Chuck a lap, chuck a lap of the church. Um, <laughs> so we walked in and I reckon I'd taken maybe 10 steps and my mum has sent me a message saying, why are you in a church? So you've got like a tracker on you. That is intense. It's like, yeah, like maybe I've actually, maybe there's actually like a GPS like implanted under my skin somewhere that I'm not aware of. <laughs> like the woman stalks the shit out of me. Considering what, you're, you've been gone for 12 months, you're on the other side of the world. I'm 26 years old, Josh. <laughs> that too. <laughs> I remember at home when I was 19, like. <laughs> Is she that intense when you're here in Perth? Um, it's not, it's not as bad. It's like. Because if worse, anything. It's worse when I live you... at home than when I'm living out of home. But yeah. That time you hitchhiked from Frio <laughs> back to Swanbourne. It was, it was, no, it was, Kurt, it was Curtin University. It was after um, end of SEM <laughs> and I hitchhiked to Subi and then got a taxi. If anything, that is reason for your mum to stalk you, not when you're on the other side of the world. Oh, mate. The amount of buses I caught at 3am in the morning in London. Oh, God. Honestly, you have not changed a second. <laughs> it's the only way to get around. We're not fucking copying an Uber. Oh, no. So expensive over there. Wait, just you wait. Once you're out, we'll hit the pubs again like old times. I'll have about two drinks. I'll drink you under the table. (laughs) I'll drink you under the table. I'll have six before I see you. (laughs) All right. You're so cool, aren't you? (laughs) All of you. Low benchmarks, though. Oh, we've still got a few rounds of footy (laughs) left, so we can hit the pubs for that and, yeah, Yeah. catch up on old times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good luck for tomorrow. I hope there's a lot of tears. Oh, I'm going to be a mess. <laughs> I, I really, really hope your mum and dad are surprised. I, oh, it would just I, be so worth it. It's going to be, it's going to be probably the best moment ever. But I just haven't seen them in so long. Oh, it's going to be special. It's going to be good. I'm so excited. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the yarn. And I can't bloody wait to see you oh, in a few days. Soon, mate. See you soon. See you soon. <laughs>